Well, as I was uh, getting ready to, uh, to preach uh, this, this last week or for the last few weeks, been considering uh, maybe what we wanted to do, maybe what God, more, let me rephrase that, what God wanted us to do uh, in here on Sunday mornings. I was going to start a series this morning on the Beatitudes, and the Lord has just kind of laid it on my heart to, to push that back a few weeks. We're going to start a series on the Beatitudes in August. And so this, this morning, um, there's, a, there's a verse of Scripture in Matthew 16, the Lord laid on my heart, and, and a question uh, that he's laid on my heart as well. And, and the title of today is, Living for Jesus, Is It Worth It? Living for Jesus, Is It Worth It? You know, there are times in each and every one of our lives where we have to ask that question of something. Is it worth it? It may be in relation to a job that what you're going through, what you're having to do, or the money you're making, is it worth it in the long run? Or a relationship that you may have with someone is the problems you're having or the issues you're having to deal with or all of that, is this worth it? Or um, it could be in relation to treatments for something. Maybe you have a sickness or an ailment and and they give you uh, some options for treatments and you have to ask yourself, is it worth it? It could be Uh, For me, uh, one of them that I deal with all the time is diet and exercise. Is it worth it? Sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. You know, it's worth it to me to exercise, but when I try to go buy healthy food, and it costs me three times what amount it costs me to buy the junk food, sometimes it's not quite worth it. And so you have to ask yourself that question from time to time. And it can be in a lot of other different things. It could be simply in something you want to buy, something you want to possess, you want to own. And you have to ask yourself, is it worth it? And, and whatever it is, when you ask yourself that question, what you're asking is, is the cost uh, or the end result or the, the possession of something, is it worth the struggle? Is it worth the pain? the toil, maybe the stress or the physical cost that it's going to take to get it. Is it worth it? Now, sometimes the answer is an astounding yes. I mean, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt that going through that is an absolute yes. One of those times for me in particularly was after three years of high school uh, and being in the marching band in college and turning down some scholarship offers to play football and golf, I got a desire to walk on the football team at East Central. And three years post high school is not the best time to do that, okay? Because in three years, I hadn't ran, I hadn't lifted, I hadn't had to worry about somebody yelling at me and telling me what I had to do. I didn't have anybody check in over my grades uh, to make sure I had a certain grade point average. If not, they sent me to a place called Study Hall that was mandatory. Luckily, I had good grades, so I didn't have to do that. But still, I mean, you're talking about a day that started at 6 a.m. most days and didn't end until 6 to 8 p.m. every day. And you had to ask yourself, is this worth it? And for a lot of people, the answer was no, and they quit quickly. But for me, it was yes. And the reason why it was yes is because I had a goal that I wanted to achieve, and I wanted to prove people wrong. And so for me, it was worth it. But then there are other times where the answer is an absolute no. And you know quickly that no, the cost is not worth it. Two years ago, I decided to re-enroll in seminary. Thought, yeah, now's a good time. I'm kind of settled in Malika. I've been here for about four years, and family's in the school. Everything's working good. I'll, I'll re-enroll. I'm, I'm a third of the way through my program. I'll finish and all that. 
And, and so I re-enrolled, and the first day of class, I log online, and I print out everything they want me to do, and I, I put it in a folder, and I take it home, and I begin to work on my first assignment that was due in two days, and Garen comes in my room, and he asks me to do something. And I told him, no, I didn't have time. I had to do this assignment. And when he turned and walked out of the room, I got so convicted because I, I had to make a choice in that moment. Is going back to school and finishing this degree worth it? Because I never get that time with my kids back. Your children are only young once. And to tell my son, no, I couldn't go do what he wanted to do because I was dealing with a class that probably wasn't going to teach me much of anything I really needed anyway, uh, and serving in a church that has never made me feel like I was inferior in my intellect or my knowledge, I had to ask the question, is it worth it? And the answer was absolutely not. Now, I may finish that degree, but it won't be while my kids are little because I made the choice to choose my children and my wife over spending all my free time reading books on theology. And I, I, that's the choice I made. For me, the answer was no. And all of us find ourselves in those situations where you have to ask yourself, is it worth it? No matter what it is, it comes up in our life, we deal with that. We have to ask ourselves that question. This morning, I want to ask that question in relation to something about our relationship with Jesus. I, I want to ask us the question, is living for Jesus worth it? Now, before you immediately check out and say, well, absolutely, and give the Sunday school answer, I want you to know that um, following Jesus, truthfully following Jesus is not easy. You see, American Christianity has made it easy when we don't preach the idea that following Jesus comes at a cost, which is exactly what Jesus himself said, before you follow me, you must first count the cost because it's going to cost you something. As a matter of fact, I heard this quote this last week that really struck me deeply. It said, if, if, you, if, the, if following Jesus hasn't cost you anything, then you may not be following Jesus. I want you to think about that for a minute. If following Jesus hasn't cost you anything, then you may not be following the true Jesus. And, and now, again, in that, a few days, that, that, or in a few ways, that may sound like a silly question for us as a church, but I want you to know following and serving the Lord, living for Jesus, is not a cakewalk, and it doesn't get easier as you get older. It gets sometimes a little more difficult because life gets more confusing. Life gets a little harder. You're dealing with other things, and you have to make this decision, is following Jesus worth it? It's something that means a lot to me individually because in four days, uh, four days on July 26th, I will celebrate uh, 22 years. On July 26th, 22 years ago, I surrendered my life to the service of the Lord at False Creek. July 26, 1996, I'll never forget that day, I know exactly where I was, know exactly who I was talking to, know exactly where my mind was going when God called me to serve him in the ministry of the church. But the fact of the matter is, 
everyone here, if you're a born-again believer, he's called you to serve too. Now, it may not be as a pastor, and it may not be as a youth pastor, a music pastor, a deacon, or a Sunday school teacher, or a missionary, but he's called every one of us to serve him. There is no such thing as a follower of Jesus who doesn't serve Jesus. Those things are for all of the followers of Jesus, and to follow Jesus costs you something. And sometimes I ask myself in ministry, is it worth it? It's been almost 22 years. Has following Jesus in my ministry, has it been worth it? Sometimes I ask myself that question. Sometimes things don't go very well. And I ask myself, is it worth it? Sometimes I get chewed out for something that I had nothing to do with. Just be honest with you. And I ask myself, is it worth it? Sometimes I pray and I study and I do everything I can to pour my heart out from the pulpit, from God's word, and I, it feels like it dies at the end of the pulpit or no one responds, nobody does anything, and I ask myself, is it worth it? But for me, it is. And the reason why it's worth it is because of the second thing I'm going to talk about today, but the first thing I want to talk about and about answering this question, is it worth it, is I want us to understand that truly following Jesus is a price, there's a price that has to be paid to follow him. And that's what scripture talks about, and that's what we'll talk about. So if you have your Bibles in Matthew 16, I'm going to ask if you would stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning. Again, our culture, and I believe many of our churches, have forgotten what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus, and there is a cost involved according to him. And I believe the cost that Jesus talked about is summed up by Jesus himself in Matthew 16, starting in verse 24. Listen to what he says. He said, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? Or what will it man give in exchange for his soul? Let's pray. God, today I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word, and now as we begin to examine it this morning, Lord, I pray that I sincerely would decrease and that your spirit would increase and the words would be shared would be yours and yours alone. Father, you know where each and every one of us are in our hearts this morning. You know our point of need, and I pray that you would reach every one of us at our point of need today. For your glory and for your honor, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, according to, to Matthew chapter 16, according to Jesus' own words, I want you to understand something that's been truly lost in our culture and in many of our churches and for some of our believers, um, and it's this. There is a high price to pay to follow Jesus. There is a high price to following Jesus. According to verse 24, Jesus specifically lines out three things that have to happen for anyone to follow him, for anyone to live for him, to be his disciple. These three things have to happen, not might need to happen, have to happen. Now remember, Jesus had already made it clear in Matthew chapter 7 that um, anyone, not anyone could just follow him. They had to first count the cost and then follow him. And it's not just about the things you do. It's specifically listed here, three things, according to Jesus, that have to happen in order to follow him. The first one is you have to deny yourself. 
To truly follow Jesus, to truly live for Jesus, you have to deny yourself. Now, that means that your desires have to take a back seat to his desires for your life. That's what that means. It means that you have to turn the reins of your life over to Jesus. Brother Justin talked about this a little bit last week during his False Creek Reflection Service, and that is Jesus is not just our Savior, he's our Lord. And they are together, they are not excluded, they are not differentiated, they are one and the same. He is Savior and Lord, not Savior or Lord, or Lord or Savior, he's Lord and Savior, and Lord means boss. So to follow Jesus means to deny yourself by giving the reins of your life over to him. Now I want you to know that's a high price because that's not easy. Following Jesus, turning the reins of your life over to him is not easy and it's not normal. It's not something you would just want to do on your own. Now I love everybody in this room, but I'm not turning the reins of my life over to any of you. Just not just not going to happen. I'm just telling you, it's not going to happen. But if I want to follow Jesus, I got to give him the reins of my life. That's what he's saying when he says, deny yourself. Now, again, it's not easy. We want to have complete control. We don't want to deny ourselves. We want to follow Jesus yet do it our way. And I want you to know that's the problem. You can't follow Jesus your way. He doesn't make a way for you to do that. You see, Jesus said very clearly, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the gate. He says that broad is the, path, broad is the gate and broad is the path that leads to destruction, and many find it, but narrow is the gate, and narrow is the path that leads to life. And that's Jesus. He is the only way. He, you don't come to Jesus on your terms. You come to Jesus on his terms, and his terms is denying yourself, but that's not easy. So how do we do that? How do we get to the point where we can deny ourselves and follow Christ? Well, it comes from recognizing that God's plan for your life is better than your plan for your life. I, I may have shared this story before, but before I met Jenna, I dated a girl, and um, I, I honestly thought I was going to marry her, and, but I made a major mistake relationship. And the mistake I made was I elevated the girl above God in my life. I made her, I made her an idol, if you will. And, and everything revolved around her, not about God. It was all about her. And when that relationship ended, I was crushed and I was hurt. But I made a covenant commitment with God that I would never elevate another relationship above my relationship with him again. A few months later, several months later it was, Jenna comes to college as a freshman. We debate all the time about where we met. She says we met at church. I say we met in the band. We, we did meet at church, but it's because I had somebody in the band invite her to church where I was the youth pastor. And, and I was immediately smitten by her. And after a few months of... Uh, of trying to uh, earn her trust, if you will, and get her to date me, because at first she told me no, and I found out later it's because she had a list of qualifications to date her, and uh, <laughs> I met 25 out of 26 of them, so she finally said yes, uh, that we could date, and I, and I just, I was smitten by her. I, I enjoyed her company. I thought she made a great, was gonna, would be a great um, relationship to have, and and she was sweet, and she served the Lord, and all those types of things, until one day I felt like God was telling me I needed to break up with her. Made no sense to me. 
I mean, I was surrendered to the ministry. I was already serving as a youth pastor. It made no sense to me why you would want me to break up with this young lady who could possibly be um, a great helpmate in my ministry. She knows more about ministry than I do because she grew up in ministry, but yet God was leading me to end our relationship. And so I called her, and we met, and we drove around for a little while, and, and we parked in front of the United Campus Ministry at Ada, Oklahoma, at East Central Campus, and, and our relationship ended. I, I broke up with her. I had no idea why, didn't know why, just knew that's what God was telling me to do. After several hours of talking and communicating all this, and her crying, me crying, we both crying, neither one of us, you know, yeah, I cried, because I didn't understand it, and I really, really liked her. I had to go to the bathroom true. I had to go to the bathroom. So I got out of the car, and I walked into the United Campus Ministry to go to the restroom. And as soon as I walked in the door, as soon as I walked into the door of the UCM, two words hit me. Abraham and Isaac. Abraham and Isaac. And, and I, I was sitting there going, Abraham and Isaac, what does that have to do with anything? That doesn't make any sense. I'm not sacrificing her on the altar. And then it hit me. I had made a covenant, relation, a covenant commitment to God to never elevate another relationship above God. And God was testing me to see if, if he called me to end that relationship to move a different direction, would I be willing to go? And I was. And he immediately told me, you passed. And I went back out, got in the car, told her what happened. It was like we never broke up. She's, people have asked me before, when did you know Jenna was the one for you? That night. I knew I was going to marry her that night because God made it very clear to me that I was not going to be willing to put any relationship above my relationship with God. Now, why do, I don't tell you that to build me up. I tell you to be, that is what it means to deny yourself. It means to trust God with the decisions of your life where you understand that though you may not understand them, though they may seem painful at the moment, the decision to, to trust your life to him means that you understand his ways are better than your ways. Now, here's the thing. I don't ever have to worry about going through that test again because we're married and God is not going to ask me to sacrifice my marriage. Now, as I've had people try that, use that story, especially young people try to use that story. I say, don't use that in your life unless God leads you to. But if you're married, you can just throw that out the window because that's not going to happen. So I'm just telling you, the way God wants us to live, to follow him, means to deny yourself. You have to take and put your desires behind. You have to focus on his, and that comes from recognizing that his plan is better than your plan. And remember, this is not a command just to your preacher. It is a command to any follower of Christ. Deny yourself. Now, that's a pretty high price. But the second one is this. He says, not only do you have to deny yourself, he says, take up your cross daily. Now, I love the, that, that idea, and I didn't really put this in my notes, but you might want to circle the word daily, because that doesn't mean just pick up your cross once. It literally means, it's a great word, it's a literal word that you can take to the bank. It literally means every day. It's a great word. And so what he's saying here is take up your cross daily. Now, in our world today, the cross is a religious symbol. When we look at the cross, we generally remember or are reminded of the sacrificial death of Jesus, all that he went through on our behalf to, to pay our sin debt, to pay our price, so that we could have a relationship with God. So when we see the cross, it is symbolic of, of the death of Christ and how that paid our price for our sins. Well, I want you to know in that day, the cross was also symbolic. 
But it wasn't just symbolic of, of a religious symbol. It was symbolic of something very specific. It was symbolic of death, and not just any death, the cruelest of deaths. In that day, when you saw someone carrying their cross, you knew that person was headed towards certain, painful, excruciating death. There'd be no escaping it whatsoever. And so Jesus uses this word that we view as a religious symbol. He's, he's telling them to do this when they only view it as a death symbol. So he's basically telling them, you have to be willing to carry your cross. You have to be willing to lay your life down every single day for me. Now, that doesn't just mean physically. That also just means Again, similar to denying yourself in that you are turning over everything to him. You see, not just the possibility of physical death, but the idea of dying to yourself every day. Dying to yourself. Dying, listen, dying to the old way of life every single day. Now, why is that important? Because as long as we walk this earth, as long as we have a physical body of flesh and blood, we are going to struggle with sin, and we are going to struggle with problems and, and the desire for sin. It's called, Paul talked about it in the book of Romans and uh, other places as well, that it's the desires of our flesh. And how we have the spirit living in, in us, and it wants us to do one thing, but yet our flesh wants us to do something else, and they're constantly battling with one another. And what Jesus is saying here is, yes, there's going to be a battle, and the only way for you to win that battle is to lay your life down every day. Lay down your, your desires every single day. Laying down the old life and a willingness to lay it all down for the cause of following him. And the only way to truly follow Jesus is to lay your life down for him, not just giving it physically in death, but laying your life down to serve him every single day. Now, I want you to know denying yourself is a high price, but getting to the point where you're willing to lay your life down every single day to serve Jesus, that's even higher. And then there's a third one that he says is mandatory to follow him, and that is you have to follow him. Now, this is probably the most important step because it's the action step. You see, to follow Jesus, you actually have to follow Jesus. You see, there are a lot of people that want to, they want to enjoy Jesus. They want to be a fan of Jesus. They want to come maybe to church or to worship events, and they want to sit back, and they want to applaud Jesus, and they look at him from a distance, and they think Jesus is something just to behold and just to worship, but they forget that when they leave, they are actually to be following him. See, that happened all the time with Jesus. There's a significant difference between being a fan of Jesus and a follower of Jesus. Do you realize that almost every time Jesus spoke, huge crowds would follow him? And then he would walk up the mountain, and only some would follow him up the mountain, because that took work. Or huge crowds would say they want to follow him until they would hear him preach and teach, denying self, dying to yourself, follow me, taking your old religion 
away and follow me. When he did that, many people stopped following. Many. There's, that's, there's a difference between being a fan and a follower, and the follower of Jesus doesn't just applaud Jesus from a distance. He follows Jesus wherever he goes. You see, we sing that song. Wherever he leads, I'll go. And then a lot of times, and I'm speaking from personal experience, a lot of times we sing wherever he leads, I go until he leads us, and then we don't go. And that's what he's saying, though. There's a high price to follow me. It takes denying yourself. It takes dying to yourself every day. And it takes actually stepping out and following wherever I lead you to go. Now, that's a, that's a high price. I don't think anybody could look at that and say, oh, that's, that's easy. No, let, let me tell you something. Following Jesus is simple, but it's not easy. Following Jesus, becoming a believer in Christ... Having a, a being, having a relationship with Christ is simple because it's by grace through faith, but it's not easy. And that's why he told them earlier, he said, if anyone wants to follow me, they first, must first count the cost because it's going to cost you something. And here he says every, it's going to cost you everything. Everything. So now the question is, if this is what it means to follow Christ, to deny yourself, to take up your cross daily and follow him, if that's what it means to follow Christ or to live for Christ every day, then you ask yourself this question, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Look at verse 25. Here's why it's worth it to me. Let me reread verse 24 again. If anyone desires to come after me, to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For, now that word for here literally could be translated because. So I'm going to put the word because there because that's the way we would use the word. Because whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Is following Jesus worth it? Only if you desire to save your soul. Only if your desire is to save your soul. That's what Jesus said. For, because anyone who wants to save his life, or anyone who wants to lose his life for my sake, will find it. Anyone who wants to save his life for his sake will lose it. Now, this verse teaches a very profound and powerful truth, and I'm, I'm, I'm almost through, but it's also a scary truth, and it's this. Following Jesus by denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following him is the only way to save your soul. What that means is you can't be good enough. You can't give enough money. You can't go to church enough. You can't preach enough. You can't teach enough. You can't sing enough. You can't serve enough. You can't be baptized enough. You can't pray enough. You can't read your Bible enough. You can't do enough good things. You can't do enough many wonderful things to save your life. The only way to save your life is to follow Jesus. That's what he said. The only way to save your life is to follow him. So, is it worth it? Only if you desire to save your soul. You see, and therein lies the issue. That is the problem. You see, we have many today who are more concerned 
here and now than they are about eternity. We have people today that are way more concerned today with gaining the whole world than they are about whether or not they're losing their soul. I like the way he says it in verse 26. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet loses his soul? Let's, let's put that in these terms. What would it profit you to gain the fame, the fortune, the possessions, the things that you desire in life, the trophies of life, what, what would it do if you were to gain everything you ever wanted, yet lose your soul? I want to go back to me for just a second. People have asked me before if, if following Jesus in my ministry was worth it. I've already told you it's not been easy. And on July 26, 1996, I can tell you where my heart was. I wanted to be a pro golfer. Now, some of you have seen me play golf and you laugh at that, but that was my goal. That's what I desired. That was where my heart was. And I sit there and I watch golf tournaments and I watch people play. I've got friends that I used to play with that, that can beat me now because they get to play golf all the time. And I'm lucky if I get to play here and there. And I see that. And, I, and, and people ask, is it worth it? Is serving in the church, dealing with some of these issues, having to go through some of these problems, is it worth it compared to where you wanted to be? Yes. And the reason why is because following Jesus is worth everything to me. You see, I could, have, I, could have, I could have become a pro golfer and won every tournament the world ever offered. I could have made Tiger Woods look like nothing. No, I probably couldn't. I'm just saying, if I did and even did do that, say I won every tournament that ever was, I just entered a tournament people knew he's going to win. At the end of my life, I would have lost. Years ago, I was at Falls Creek. And some students of mine surprised me with this ring, and I wear it on my right hand all the time. It's wore out. You have to really be looking at it to see what it says, but I wear it every day. And it's a reminder to me of this question, is it worth it? And I want to read it to you. It's two statements. He died for me. I live for him. And it reminds me every day that it's worth it. It's worth it. What about you? Is living for Jesus worth it? For some of you, the answer is absolutely not because today's the first day you've heard that to follow Jesus actually has a cost to it and that cost is a willingness to deny yourself, to take up your cross and actually follow him. You're not so much have a problem with Jesus, following him from a distance, but as soon as he tells you where you, he wants you to go and you're not willing to go, uh, you just want to be, he, you want him to be your savior, but not your Lord, and there is no such thing as that. And so you look at the cost and you go, nope, it's too high. I don't want to follow Jesus. And you're honest, you don't want to follow him. But for others and for me here this morning, I hope that it's an astounding yes. It's worth it because nothing this world had to offer could have given me my soul. And saved my soul. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus is worth it. So live for Jesus. It's worth it.